The UTS Law Student Society acknowledges the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, upon whose ancestral lands our university stands today. We would like to extend this respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across the nation, particularly to the elders, both past and present, who remain to be the traditional custodians of knowledge for these lands. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Welcome everyone back to the podcast season four, Ooh. 2023. Some new hosts. Um, I'm Emma. I'm Yasha. Okay, Emma. Well, go on. Give us a bit of a, a general about your personality, about what you do, what you study, what you're in, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, so my name is Emma. I'm a fourth year law and communication social political science student. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might know me from, I was the equity director on the LSS two years ago and the sports director as well. Um, so Yasha, tell me about you, what year, what do you study, who are you? Well, I mean, you've said my name. Yeah. I can say it again if you want. My name's Yasha. Um, why not? Just really pump it in there <laughs> so everyone knows. I'm doing the same degree. So I'm a law and communications as well, social political science. Um, I'm third year, so I'm a little bit behind uh, where you are. And where would you know me from? I think, I mean, probably my slightly filthy haircut yep. is the most likely. Yeah, very recognisable. Yeah, the, the the bit of mullet that's going on. It's been shortened recently, but it was it was getting to a point where it was quite over the top. That and then, I don't know, maybe just if you're ever at like sort of the LSS social events and stuff, I met quite a few of those. Level so. 14, a level 14 regular. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so coming up in this episode, everyone, we've got some pretty exciting guests. We're having an interview with the Law Student Society president for this year, Georgina Hedge, and with the Dean of Law, Anita Stumke. And this episode, we're going to talk about all things studying law, what it's like to come into law, but also some confessions and dealing with the stereotypes of being a law student. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and I think we're also for this first episode, we're just sort of just kind of getting to know how the podcast is going to go, what's going on, um, the new hosts, and then the new president, um, and also, I mean, still the relatively new dean as well, right? Yeah. So it's going to be uh, full of news, full of firsts. Full of firsts. So stay tuned. We've got some exciting episodes coming up this year. Make sure to engage with us on our Instagram, at The Bar Podcast, and on Facebook. We'll, you'll see regular posts on the Law Student Society page. Make sure to pop any recommendations in. We're wanting to hear from you. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just off what you were saying as well, we want to make it more about the students' podcast, the student society stuff, stuff that is interesting to students. So um, if there's anything you want to um, see us talk about or chat about, put that in. And you forgot something, Emma. What? you got to stay up to date on the LSS TikTok as well. Oh, yes. Because there'll be some... <laughs> Some great performances from us up there eventually. I think great's probably not the right adjective, (laughs) but some good attempts. All right, here we go. So I guess for the first bit of this podcast, we're going to get to know each other a little bit, me Mm -hmm. and Yasha. So a question that we're asking all of our guests this year is if you were a drink, what drink would you be? But for a twist to start off season four, Yasha, if I was a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic what would I be and why okay Emma well <laughs> I had to really think about this did you I had to really put some some research in and, and like rack my brain but I think I've come to a decent conclusion and I'll give you the explanation as well as okay. to why let's hear it so I've gone with a coconut margarita whoa okay yeah I'm not sure how you exotic, feel about it exotic. I mean getting a bit of a, an interesting smile from you but <laughs> okay. um here's the reasoning okay so <laughs> alcoholic because you know it's got a bit of punch to it you know it's a bit yeah got, you know? i've got a bit of punch yeah exactly exactly and then <laughs> the reasoning behind the coconut and the margarita i feel like coconut is quite like summery tropical yeah you give me that vibe as a person so that's um you know also comes from i guess the shire sort of part of you <laughs> <laughs> um and then let's just clarify the shire is in the Sutherland Shire? Yeah, like the sort of beachy vibe. Got it. You know All right. I mean? yeah, yeah. That's what I was going it. for. That's Loving what I was it. going for. And then um, with that, margarita in the sense of like the the 
I guess the bite of the like tequila, limey, salty, like not salty in the sense of like angry salty, but <laughs> it's got like a real kick to it as a drink. Wow. Like a sort of fiery drink. That's what I was kind of going for. So, um, I love that. Yeah. That's I feel kind like of that's I a, with. I hope that's all. A it's all positive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, when I was pondering a drink that I think you are, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the context, right? Like what am I drinking and where? Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So okay. I'm thinking, hot day. Okay. You had a really nice pub. You go and get on tap a stone and wood, like a pale ale stone and wood. It's so crisp. It comes out. It's really cold, and it's just the perfect thing that you need. Why? Okay. I see you as a beer person, right? Fun loving. A lot of people like beer. Down for a good time. Very simple. You're e- easygoing. So I'm gonna say beer. But a pale ale, because you've got a bit of spice to you. You've got a bit of citrus to you. So I reckon that's the sweet side of your personality. Okay. But then drinking it on, like, a really hot summer's day, good vibes. Good vibes all okay. around. I, I, can, I can see that. You know, and actually, as soon as you said <laughs> that, I, I almost laughed a little bit because I, I did have a stone and wood, actually, the other day. Mm. A few days ago, I had one. So There we I mean, go. I, it's, it sits well. I mean, I'm happy with that. I think that's very positive as well. Who knows? By but, the end of season four, we might be two different drinks. Maybe, maybe at the end we see... We, we come back to this question and mm-hmm. we see if it's changed. Who knows? Ooh. But I do have a little follow-up. Go for it. Am I a schooner or then a pint? <gasps> or just in general? I reckon you're a schooner. Okay. 100%. I see that, yeah. 100% a schooner. Okay, perfect. Right. Um, well, now that we've kind of done that, we're still sort of keeping on the theme of like casual sort of stuff. So I might jump actually, instead of drinks, I might go to food. Mm, okay. Um, jump ahead a little bit and go and ask you, what is your go-to food on campus? Really good question. I would say that UTS is often criticised for having terrible food options. Mm-hmm. So you've really got to find the diamond in the rough. I think by fourth year, I definitely do have my preferences. So Cornerstone, getting the wrap from Cornerstone, $10 wrap, chicken avo wrap. Mm-hmm. I know Yasha is a fan fave of the f- Cornerstone wrap. I'm a fiend for that one as well, yep. Or Dab Cafe in the design building. Um, that cafe, you can get a $13 deal, which is one main and two sides. And it's a really good go-to during the winter months. So they're probably okay. my two go-to on campus. What, what do you mean by a main and side? Like, what's the sort of type of food they're serving? Oh, you can get chicken, steak, ravioli, lasagna. So it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good food. Um, that would be my recommendation. Okay. What are you going for? Interesting. I, I have sort of a similar thing with the a bit of a gripe with the UTS food, especially the like main food court area mm. is really lacking. I think there's yeah. um there's definitely a few places in there I would say are questionable in terms of, you know, being allowed yeah. to still be there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for me, I mean, yeah, like you said, the cornerstone is something I discovered last year the chicken avo wrap absolutely is so fantastic good. and if you go 2 to 3 p.m you pair it with a two dollar coffee <gasps> happy hour coffee that is a fan favorite so that's always good for me especially if i have like one of those sort of nasty like three to five classes yeah like 6 p.m late evening classes yeah um and then i would go with also uh cafe nine under the aerial function center i think it's yeah. building 10 yeah the communications building yeah um, I don't go into that building much, but the cafe is right there at the entrance. So like bistro style, um, and they have really good Vietnamese food oh. and the banh mi there is so good. It's great value as well. I think it's like $8.50 wow, or something. Wow, this is a bit of an underdog option. It is. It's not very popular. Uh, and I found out about it actually through my, like my old boss, but, um, yeah, they've got roast chicken or roast pork, or I think they have a tofu one. Yum. Um, super good. They load it with chilies though, so you got to be careful with chilies if you're if you're like me and you're not very good with spice. So I usually go with like the half or the no chili option. There you have it, everyone. But a specific delicious. and very good recommendation. And a cheap one. And a cheap one. Budget friendly. So I guess going off the back of what we don't like about the UTS food court, what would you say, Yasha, is your pet peeve of studying law? Okay. This one I just had to think about a little bit as well. Yeah. Because there are a few, but I think the one that I think about the most or that really annoys me the most or 
something that sort of like really aggravates me, especially when I'm at uni, is not so much to do with law, but it's to do with UTS in general. And when you're in... <laughs> that shit takes on UTS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just taking them on here. But when you're in uh, building... It's mainly buildings one and two, right? The connected ones. Yeah. I think it's maybe 6 p.m. or something. A certain time. Basically, when it gets dark, they close all the doors. They lock them. And the only way you can leave is by walking all the way to building one. The audacity. And going through the security thing there. The audacity. And it's so painful, especially because for me to get home, I'm going home the opposite side of building one, the yeah. opposite way towards Broadway Shopping Centre. So it just adds like maybe, I don't know, 300 metres to my walk. And can it, you believe it? It really infuriates me. You know what? At least you get your steps in. At least I get my steps in. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's something about it, especially at night when you just want to go home. Yeah. You just want to relax and you're just like, oh, got to pack my stuff up and walk all the way out and then around. But, I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give it back to you. What's your sort of pet peeve? Besides the food court, I think one more specifically to our combined degree with comms law is when we take these comms classes, often law students are in the minority. Mm. And I experienced this today. You do those icebreakers around the classroom. What degree do you do? And the looks that you get as soon as you say that you're a law student and that's the stereotype you have for the rest of the STEM. Everyone thinks you're stuck up and annoying, which I don't think is true. However, I think that's probably my most hated thing about being a law student, the stereotypes Mm. um, that come out of being a law student. And at UTS, I think law students cop a bit of flack, um, particularly on UTS confessions, which we're going to unpack later with Georgina and Anita. Um, okay, so in terms of confessions themselves, mm-hmm. do you have anything, Yasha, that you want to confess about being a law student? Um, well, I, I think I'm relatively uncontroversial, so I don't mm. think I have any uh, sort of massive things, but I have uh, sunk into the depths of sleeping on level 14 in building <laughs> 2. Um, which is the law students like study area sort of area building floor thing. Um, so I've yeah I've slept there, I think on two occasions. Overnight? Uh, no, I didn't do overnight, but I've mm. done I've done two naps. They have like the these sort of circle pillow things. Yeah. That you sit on. Yeah. I've put two of them together and just kind of laid flat on them as if I was just dead, kind of sitting there, and I've just slept for an hour or two before. It's a smart option. I have seen many a law student curl up on the floor of this level. So maybe that's a some advice that you could give. I don't know if it's advice. I don't know if I would recommend <laughs> you it. You wouldn't recommend? How was your back after? I think my yeah, my back and my neck were not so happy, but I needed yeah. the sleep, so yeah. it was a dire situation. But I would say that was that's my confession. Yeah. Um, do you have anything, Emma? Nothing personally, I don't think. I don't think I have got anything to confess. However, I think later on when we're unpacking some confessions of law students, I'll probably have something will come to mind. I think something will come to mind. Something that you've like hidden, hidden, hidden away, deep, forgotten in about in my brain that I have up. forgotten about. Well um, then, oh well then, what I might do is because we're moving on from that. Uh, what is then your perfect study situation? Mm. Perfect setup. You know, what do you need to be most productive? Um, maybe coming off the back of me having a nap on level 14, trying to get some energy, <laughs> some energy to study. Yeah. What is your perfect study situation? Right. I think it's about finding the balance of not being in solitary confinement, but still having a quiet area. I have become a massive fan of level nine of building two in the library. So not the quiet section. I find the quiet section of the library, the silent section, way too quiet for me. So level nine of the library is perfect. Having a chill study playlist on headphones in, coffee by my side. I think that's where I hit the perfect study spot. What about you? Okay. Um, This question is difficult because I'm not very inclined to actually do much study. Yeah. Um, I struggle to, 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 to get it actually done. But I would say for me, it's not so much where I am. I think it's the intervals I do it in. Mm. Um, like I'm a very much a 30, 30 minutes of study, sit down with my headphones on music, yeah. usually some sort of chill music. If I'm really trying to grind out, I'll put on something a bit more intense. 
maybe some rap or something. Whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really try and hype myself up. Do some up. rap while doing constitutional law. Oh, yeah. Um, coffee is usually there. Yeah. Usually present. Coffee or Red Bull. Classic. Um, and Classic. then, yeah, I'll, it'll be 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'll lose concentration. And then I'll just have to go, like, annoy my friends for 30 minutes. And then I'll come back. Productive, right? It's like intervals. I mean, it's worked relatively well so far. I don't know how sort of supportive my friends are of that technique, but mm. um, for me, that's kind of what I do because I'm, I don't know, I just don't have the, the attention span to sit for hours, especially if I'm doing reading or something like that. If it's in a lecture, I can put it usually on one or two, uh, 1.5 or two times speed yeah. and just sort of get through it. But a very good hack with reading and with note taking, it's definitely. I need those breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the last kind of thing where we talk about ourselves, what would you tell your first year law self? What would be the advice that you would give yourself um, way back those three years ago? Oh, don't make me sound old like that. <laughs> but, um, and it's, only, it's sort of only two years ago. But what would I give myself? I think I would say to sort of really just enjoy meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um and meeting as many people as I can, yeah. going to as many events as I, as I could. I mean, I went to quite a few first year drinks and like get to know this society, do that sort of thing. Yeah. But I think I could have done more and not so much worried about, um, the, you know, lectures and studying. I mean, I'm really, I sound like I'm advocating not studying, here, <laughs> but I really think uni has so much to offer in terms of social life yeah. and also like personal development, meeting people from different areas um, of Sydney, making friends from all over, and then exploring um, those friendships as well Yeah. compared to high school, which is very much like your local council sort of area. You know, everyone from your high school lives relatively close to you. So it broadens your sort of perspective of um, Sydney a bit. So I think I would say that yeah. is what I would have promoted myself to do more, more of and go to more of those events and stuff. 100%. Yeah. What about you, Emma? What would you say? Very similar advice, I think. Small anecdote. I was Yash's camp leader on first year. <laughs> I remember that, yep. And um, seeing the way, for example, from the start of camp to the end of camp and the way Yash's confidence just completely changed because of him meeting people <laughs> and getting out there, I think that leads on to what my advice would be is university for some people is just come, do your study, go home, and that's perfectly fine. But I think in a place where there's such a conglomerate of people, diverse backgrounds, ideas from all across Sydney, even New South Wales, I think take the opportunities to do things outside of the classroom, whether that be going to drinks, inviting a friend to go to lunch on your first class, going to law society events, joining societies. Um, I think that's where you get the most out of uni and the most experiences. And you'll look back at uni and you'll think, oh, I learned something I remember to this day, sure. But I think what you'll remember most are the people that you meet and the experiences that you have. So I think broadening your horizons beyond the classroom um, would probably be mm. my advice. Yeah, I can 100% agree to that. I mean, and in first year, you know, I was excited that first semester. I mean, before we went online with COVID, I was excited to come into uni. Yeah. Not to go to my class, but just to chat to people, meet people, yeah. go to those events and sort of going off what you've said about getting involved with things. I know, um, for example, the Law Student Society does have coming up first year drinks, yep. um, start of semester party yep. slash drinks. Um, there's social sport that's kicking up. Yep. There's got netball, um, basketball and futsal. futsal. Yeah. And then there's the first year law camp, which is coming up. Yeah. If you're on it, you're on it already. Um, so there's plenty of things to do. And then there's also just all sorts of campus events going on. Like yeah. I know this year... They had the um, O'Day Festival, which yeah. was massive. I never saw anything like that when I was in first year. Huge. But they're really pushing social stuff um, this year. So I would just get on Facebook, get on Instagram if you're interested in meeting people through those events and just going. 100%. And most of them are free as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Good advice. Beautiful. So, Georgina Hedge, UTS LSS President for 2023, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. Very excited to be here. How many times have you been on the podcast? This is actually my first time, so I'm very excited to finally be invited on, especially for the first episode with you both. First episode of the year. Very exciting. Exciting guest. It's going to be great. Yeah. You're going to set a real high standard, and I think 
it's going to be tough for anyone to push that. So um, absolutely, I agree. Yasha. I don't yeah. think anyone will be able to meet it. No, I don't think they will. We'll see what happens. Maybe you'll have some competition. You'll just have to come back um, next year. As many times you want me back, I will be here. Okay. Well, perfect. We're going to get into our first question with you. Absolutely. And this is the consistent question we're asking everyone. Um, so instead of the question we had last year, we've changed it a little bit, and we are asking you. If you were a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, mm-hmm. what drink would you be and why? You have to explain it. Yes. I've given this much thought. And <laughs> I think that my the drink that I would be would be uh, Vodka Sunrise because I think that it really encapsulates who I am as a person or who I like to be as a person because it's got a little bit of a kick to it with, you know, the vodka, but... It's ultimately just a happy person who just is there to kind of want to make people feel good about themselves. And that's who I like to think I am. So I think that would be the drink that I am. It's a very pretty drink as well. It is. So it's very say, pretty, yeah. which I like to think I am as well. You are. <laughs> All right. Very summery as well. It so is. summery. Actually, your two drinks could go on a go on a fun little friend date on a I summer date. I think yours could easily join as well. Stone and wood, coconut margarita. And Vodka Sunrise. We could all be by the beach together somewhere. What a fantastic way to start off the pod. So, so um, I guess more generally, what is the role of Prez this year? And I guess, what are your plans? What do you see as your broad, big plans for 2023? Yeah, what a great question. So, I guess, just generally, the role of President of the Law Society is essentially just to manage and oversee all of the work that our 44 incredible councillors and over... 50 subcommittee members do throughout the year. So basically I just head up the entire council and make sure everyone is sort of running their events and initiatives to the best of their abilities, making sure all the organisation is going well and that everyone feels supported and that I can be a voice um, of when someone needs it. So that's sort of like the main role, but I guess also more practically I work with our wonderful faculty Um, the Australian Law Students Association and the Student Council of Law Societies of New South Wales. So I manage our external relationships with sponsors as well as making sure just generally that the LSS is basically flourishes into the rest of the future. In terms of, I guess, my plans, um, I guess we'll talk about this a lot in this, my appearance on the pod today, but I really want to make sure that the LSS in 2023 is really inclusive and diverse we've got four new fantastic representatives this year which is a really massive part of my vision for the society and making sure that those they settle in well to the council and really create some fantastic communities within the LSS for the groups that they're representing as well as making sure there's a strong focus on mental health and well-being we've implemented our new grievance policy this year so it's really important for me to kind of see that through and make sure that that operates really effectively within the society and yeah, just basically making sure that we have really strong initiatives, not just bunch a bunch of initiatives, and making sure that what we're doing is really catering to our members. Yeah, that's a bit of a rundown. Great. And I think based off that, if I might give you two little rapid-fire follow-up questions. Of course. I think one is I want to ask you, out of all the great initiatives and things, especially for people who maybe are not so involved or haven't been to too many events, what is your favourite LSS event of the year, if you had to pick one? Mm. Big question. It's like picking, like ch- picking my favourite child. <laughs> um, I think if I warp the question a little bit, not my favourite event, but what I think is really a good, mm-hmm. the good, a great way to kind of tap into the LSS initially, I think that it really does depend on where you're coming in on your degree and like what your interests are. I think that obviously if you're coming in first year, which I know hopefully a lot of our bar listeners are, the Buddy Project is like probably the first place to start. When I was starting... In first year, I started in 2020 in a COVID year. I didn't have a camp. The Buddy Project was really how I actually got to know the LSS. Shout out to Georgia Dictions, who was actually the first host of the bar. She was my buddy. And she really got me to know the LSS. And I think that for students coming in, no matter where you are, whether you're a first year LLB, a JD, Masters of Law, whatever you're coming in, we can accommodate you in the Buddy Project. So I think in terms of like seeing the connections that are made and the kind of ways that students create bonds through that program that we facilitate. I think that that's something that really makes me feel like warm inside um, because I really love seeing the way that LSS can create sort of a university experience for students and see the way that they can connect with people. And that's what makes me 
kind of have the passion to do this role and kind of make sure that our events are seen through. I obviously have to shout out social justice because that's where my roots are. So I think any kind of social justice conference or our women's mentoring program does is in my heart because that's where my roots are. But I absolutely love every single event that we run. And I think that it's been a really big goal of mine and the executives this year to make sure our events are really streamlined and catering to what our students need, not just what we want to do as executives. Yeah. And I think I can speak to as well, the Buddy Project transforms the way I looked at uni. My first year buddy, Sammy Kotsakis, shout out to you, uh, really opened my eyes to opportunities and helped me make connections. So I agree, it's a really great event. Mm. Definitely. And I, I think almost piggybacking off that, we've, especially in terms of getting into uni as a first year, often stuff's quite overwhelming mm. and you're not really sure which routes to go and what, you know, what to interact with. What would you give yourself? advice what advice would you give yourself now mm. if you were putting yourself back in your shoes as a first year and I think even more generally what advice would you give to a first year yeah that's a really good question I think that if I was a go- giving advice to a first year now I think that what I always tell first years coming in is that university is really what you make of it because you're not no longer in a school environment where there's teachers or kind of people forcing you to make friends or creating sort of your path for you you're you're really in this massive place where you're a tiny fish in a massive pond and if you don't make the effort to step out and get involved then you can just fly through uni and come to class and leave and then basically you know not feel like you're a part of anything and a lot of students that's what they want and that's totally fine but if you are coming to UTS looking for an experience where you can make friends and kind of create that journey I would say just dive in and that doesn't even have to be with the LSS I tell all students we've got so many fantastic clubs at UTS that there's so many ways that if you just put your foot out and take that step and even if it's really scary it's always going to be worth it and I think that's the biggest advice I'll give is that it can often be intimidating and I totally empathize with that I came to UTS knowing absolutely no one and I met up with two random girls I met on messenger on my orientation day and that's literally how I've made my entire group of friends to this day. So I think that my biggest advice would be whether you're a law student wanting to join the LSS, I would absolutely recommend it. But the social clubs, the sports clubs, all of the different things that we have on offer at UTS are kind of clubs and societies is what makes UTS us. And I would say just dive right in and never look back would be my biggest piece of advice. I love that. That was quite motivational. It was. Look at you go. (laughs) The president. Um, So there's a kind of ongoing theme of this episode all about confessions Yasha gave some confessions um we'll speak to the dean about her confessions as well so we're actually going to read some from the infamous the infamous UTS confessions Facebook page are you aware of this Facebook page I am aware of it we have have a love-hate relationship thought so (laughs) have you ever contributed to it I haven't I don't think I've quite gotten to that point yet but I've definitely consumed the media I've read them and yeah I'm excited to kind of unpack them. Okay, so we've got a few to start off with. Um, I think these are more specific to the LSS. Amazing. Yasha, do you want to read the first I'll, one? I'll go with the first one, yeah. yeah. And this one I'm sure you know a lot about and mm-hmm. you'll have a, a great answer for. It's more of a statement, so okay. maybe you can just address the statement. Okay. <laughs> but this person has said, please close the office door on level 14. <laughs> I want to study in peace. Mm. Yeah. A fair enough statement, I would say, from this anonymous contributor. I would say the great thing about our LSS office, which is on level 14 of building two, if any bar listeners don't know, um, is that we have an open door policy. And really what our office is, it is a space for counsellors to prepare for their initiative. So when we've got our competitions, we've got all of our competitions directors printing materials, working on their competitions. We've often got stuff stored for camp or our socials events in here, but it really is a space for students and we want this to be a place where people can feel comfortable to come in have a chat ask any questions so yes it can get a little bit noisy at times and I do apologize to the people trying to study on level 14 but I think that it speaks to the fact that we really do want this to be a space in the office that you can come in and anyone can feel comfortable to come and chat to the counselors and it's not just a place for our counselors to have their little lunch and you know be a group we really want it to be a space where anyone feels welcome to come in and talk um, and yeah, that's, I guess, level 14 in general. It's really just a place for law students to discuss. But yeah, it definitely could be more quiet. I sympathise with that. But I think that it also speaks to something really beautiful that we've got such a like strong culture where students feel like they can come and have a chat in our lovely office space. All right. 
so another more specific LSS one. If an LSS event happens in the middle of UTS, but nobody is around to say such an amazing opportunity or such a great <laughs> initiative, did it really happen? I think this one's a funny one. <laughs> a bit of a ruffle. Um, I think that, so obviously I'll address this in a bit of a couple of ways. So I think that this is obviously addressing the hype that we give our Facebook posts, which from a practical perspective is very much to do with the Facebook algorithm for people who aren't aware, is that if more people comment and like, you're more likely to see it on your feed. So the fact that this anonymous confessor has seen this on their feed, it shows the algorithm is working, which is great, (laughs) because hopefully it means you're coming to our events. But it is just basically... I know it can come across in sort of a cringy or kind of like embarrassing way, but I think that what it speaks to is that we're really trying to create a community within the LSS council that supports each other's events and that hypes each other up. So it's not just about, you know, the activities team running activities events and the social justice team running social justice events. We want to create a community where we're all supporting each other. You know, there's 44 people on our council, all from different year groups, degrees, backgrounds, and it's such a diverse range of people that it's very easy to become siloed and sort of work on your own initiatives and not support each other. So I guess what it really speaks to on a more deep level is that I'm trying to, and presidents before me and councils before me have been trying to kind of create an environment where people hype each other up and, you know, it's a supportive environment. And if you support one person's events, they'll support you back and we all flourish as a team. And that's what it really speaks to. But yeah, I like to think our events are still good, even if there's aren't people there to say, scream is hype and excitement but yeah it is very funny I think that's a funny confession but it also is just speaks to our great culture where we support each other yeah great um and the next one is a little bit personally embarrassing for me I didn't realize but I actually commented on this one (laughs) um not to mention I used the wrong there in my comment as well okay but the, the the confession is UTS staff member here writing a report on what students want to see improved on campus go and then i wrote which i don't remember writing <laughs> why didn't the gym hours they're terrible bro um who's the bro i don't know i don't know i think i'm just just growing yeah I don't know. just growing out yeah. growing out yeah. but anyway speaking following, to the community yeah yeah following up on that and my terrible spelling and quite embarrassing comment uh what would you think should be improved on campus hmm that's a good question i think that um one thing about UTS in general and I think this is something that I related to when I was first starting here is that in full transparency UTS like wasn't my first choice coming out of school and I think that the classic one that you hear is that like there's not a real campus like there's not a strong campus vibe because it's obviously all buildings surrounding so I think that something and I know that our wonderful Dean Anita feels really strongly about this is creating a sense of campus within like the city is something I'd really think that could be improved and always improved on within UTS so I think that something so great about level 14 is that it does create a place where law students can go and kind of be a community and have a campus per se but I know a lot of other degrees and a lot of other groups at UTS don't have that so I think that creating more communal spaces like the alumni green across our sort of concrete jungle of a uni would be something really good as well as widening the gym hours for Yasha because I know that he's really passionate about that well they have actually done it I'm glad. So maybe they heard you. I'm sure they heard heard you. you. They would have heard me, yeah. The bro heard you. They heard me. The bros heard you. So I guess the last confession I'll read and kind of draw this out into a question. Someone said, the guys that work at uni bros are the best. Mm. I don't want to hear or see anyone talk about them. (laughs) So what is your uni bros order? Okay. And if you're not eating uni bros, what are you eating on campus? What a great question. I completely agree with this confessor that the uni bros... (laughs) guys are incredible although i'm not too happy with the impact of inflation on the costs of pitters okay but we'll let it move anyway um my favorite my favorite order my go-to order and favorite order is probably i usually get a spinach and feta pitter and then if i'm feeling it i'll get some chips as well but i wouldn't say that's my go-to order on campus i think i'm quite a diverse eater on campus (laughs) i like to kind of try some different things recently cornerstone cafe has been a very good option, but I am a true lover of the little roaster. As you can tell, I'm quite passionate about about on-campus food options. But the Dab Cafe, otherwise known as Universal, $13 lunch options, two one hot food, two salads, you can't go past it. Um, and yeah, I think I've just listed every on-campus food place other than the sushi place because I won't say it out loud, but we know that, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's not 
it's not up, up there for me, but I still respect and appreciate all of the wonderful food we have at UTS. Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I guess coming on from that, if you were to contribute to UTS confessions or just talk about your own confessions, do you have anything you want to confess right now on the pod about studying law, about being a law student, mm. an embarrassing memory that you have? Mm. I mean... I found the question that you asked me before, Yasha, quite funny, like if advice I would give my my first year self, because I think me in first year was, um, I was a lot. I was obviously in COVID and I really wanted to be involved. Um, mm. And that included, you know, some relatively embarrassing things, including, you know, an, a failed first year rep application where my hair was dyed pink and I was filming a TikTok. Naturally, that wasn't successful. But I think that I love that I did that in first year because I was like, wow, you've really come a long way and now you're here and get to facilitate that for other students. But I was very, a very eager beaver, which is sometimes a little bit, I think back and I was like, oh God, I really embarrassed myself at times. But that's good in terms of being a law student. I don't know if I have too many confessions, you know, sometimes I don't do my reading. <laughs> I'm really naughty. Controversial. Um, but I love studying law at UTS. I love learning and I love what the LSS does for students. So that's my confession and confession of love, you might say. Great. I love that. You love the confession of love. I do. So do I. And I love the Bar podcast. <laughs> Yay. So maybe that's a good place to end. Thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, yeah. Um, so we've got some questions today just to chat through we want our law students to hear from the new dean and what your vision is and what 2023 and beyond looks like. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of changed since the last time you've been on here, taking a little bit of a different approach. So it's no longer uh, who would you take to the bar. This year we want to ask you, if you were a drink, what drink would you be? Alcoholic, non-alcoholic? <laughs> uh, and then a bit of an explanation as to why you've chosen that. Um, well, thank you for having me on. It's an absolute delight to be here, may I say again, but with you for the first time. Um, I think it's just such a wonderful way to be able to reach out to students that I generally may not be able to have conversations with, so I'm deeply appreciative. Um, so in terms of that first question, I did take the liberty of actually putting this into chat GBT. Ah, <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. And the reason I did that is because... If I go back maybe a decade or so, I have an older sister and she and I were laughing around one day in the kitchen and we had Barbie dolls for some reason and we were saying, wouldn't it be great to have a cocktail that you call a flaming Barbie? So the flaming Barbie might be, at that point it was a red-haired Barbie that you might actually put in a glass or you might, um, in my sister's case, she took the head off the Barbie and said, wouldn't this be great in a glass? So I thought I'd put into chat. GPT, whether or not there is such thing as a flaming Barbie. And the answer I got is this. (laughs) I'm not aware of a drink called a flaming Barbie. Mm. However, there is a cocktail called flaming Bob Marley, which is made with layered colours of various fruit juices and rum and then set on fire to create a flame effect. It's possible that the name flaming Barbie is a variation of this cocktail or a different cocktail altogether. It's important to note that flaming cocktails can be dangerous and should be prepared (laughs) And consumed with caution. That's fantastic. Well, I like the little warning they gave you at the end. That Ooh. was very, very loyally of them, <laughs> almost, right? Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, well, I mean, I suppose maybe you can take that sort of recipe and maybe even change it a little bit and try it out and create your, you know, recreate it. I um, think I could. And I mean, look, Flaming Barbie's loaded, isn't it? I mean, you can take that as a positive, you can take it as a negative. Yep. We can deconstruct what that means for feminist identity. We can do all sorts of things in terms of intersectionality. But that idea of having something flaming um, and sort of based in terms of, uh, I guess, a a really famous instrumental sort of toy brings back sort of memories of things like Toy Story and all sorts of things. We can go down all sorts of paths. Visceral memories. Yes, yes. It doesn't have to have rum. I think it could be just a, you know, a normal sort of drink. Yeah. Sounds like it could be very versatile. Mm. Lots of different things you could explore with it. Mm. And so if there's someone out there who wants to make a flaming Barbie... Now's your chance. Yeah. I think you can colonise and claim it. Maybe no it becomes a new staple. It's a new, <laughs> the new uh, espresso martini or yeah. something like that. Um, well, I mean, thank you for that. That was a very interesting way of going about it, especially with ChatGBT. Everyone's talking about it at the moment. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm left behind because I haven't actually 
played around with it yet. But I definitely have. Uh, it's transforming my workplace as well, writing emails. Um, I work at a law firm and I'm seeing the way already since its inception, it's transforming the way we can work as students um, and as law professionals. Do you have any insight into how you see ChatGPT? Mm, great question. Changing yes. the face of law students or Look, law? So interesting. I think there's no doubt that any time a new tool comes along, it transforms and changes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen that in the past. I mean, even take something like Wikipedia. Um, there's an example of a tool that's being used in a way that means that people may access information more quickly. Now, is that information verifiable? Should you use it in a law assignment? No, not without some criticism. Disclaimer, but... everyone. No, <laughs> that's right. do not use it. <laughs> that was a big N-O, capitalised. Um, so that idea of new technology, I think, is something that we always have to deal with, particularly as lawyers. And as you pointed out, ChatGPT brings its own innovations, challenges, across the profession. It's so interesting you're using it at the moment. I think one of the really interesting things about it is the fact that we call it artificial intelligence. Um, and I wonder whether or not that overstates what it actually is. Yeah. Um, it seems intelligent, so when you use it, you can ask questions. You can type in, for example, I had an interview today with Anita who told me about a flaming Barbie. What does this mean for her future as the Dean of the Faculty of Law at UTS? And it will write you a, a story and you can make the story humorous, you can make it longer, you can make it short, you can do all those sorts of things that appear to be intelligent. But in actual fact, that's not the part that is intelligent. It's really matching text in some ways. So it's the value add that we'll give it as legal professionals that yeah. will make it actually yeah. something that's a useful tool. So, yeah. yeah, it's really fascinating. I think it's challenging. I think it's new. I think it's different. Um, and I think it's probably the beginning of what we'll see, but whether or not it's intelligent. If I might sure. give you a little follow-up, yeah. especially from a law student perspective, and I'm not sure how much you can share in terms of future policies and these sort of things yeah. with how um, faculty will run, but I know I've heard a lot of chat about uh, chat GBT and then also the end of COVID and law exams going back in person um, for a lot of subjects. Is there anything you can sort of share on what that might look like? Ooh, okay. Um, so I think at least in the short term, in the interim, we'll be having a form of invigilated assessment across core subjects. But that doesn't necessarily mean exams in the way that we used to have them. When I say used to have them, if you're a new, uh, a newer student, we would have large exams that would be invigilated, for example, in the Great Hall um, or down at the, externally to the university. So that seems, at least in the short term, unlikely to return, but that idea of invigilation will be important. So in other words, how do we know that it is the student handing in the work, how do we know they've actually done that piece of work? And that's a very important thing for the New South Wales Legal Practitioners Admissions Board. So that's something that they're very concerned about. So I think that we won't see a return in the same way that we've had exams in that in that sense. It may be that there will be some, it may be that they'll be in classes, but it may also be that we'll see the continuation of supplementing um, invigilation with things like class participation with things like um, moots in class, where mm. you know that the person actually presenting the material is that person that they're claiming to be. So in some ways, I mean, what I actually think is that law students have a great sense of integrity and fairness and justice. That's generally why people are here. And sometimes we can aim policies at people who are either a tiny fraction of the student body or perhaps they make a mistake because they're panicking or because they actually hand something in incorrectly. So there's a danger, I think, with these sorts of tools and how we monitor them in not having a, almost a knee-jerk reaction, not punishing everybody for the sake of some things that we'll need to actually look out for. Now, that said, that said, one thing about ChatGPT I think that's interesting is I think it's, it's almost... Well, it's interesting because it's similar to anything we have. At the one hand, you can have cheating using Chat. GPT and at the other hand you could have poor academic method and we have that now with um, a range of what we might call misconduct matters so I don't think it will change what we have in terms of our practices but I think what it may mean is that there's more temptation um, and that's something that every individual student has to grapple with in a sense so I think I wandered off your question a little bit but um, 
In short, no, there won't be a return to the type of large exams in every subject that we've seen in the past. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I think that was a great answer. And I like the uh, reflection on law students having a sense of justice and everything as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I think moving more towards you, yeah, our lovely guest on the podcast. So what is something interesting that's happened since you've been on the podcast, or I guess more generally, how have you found stepping into the role of Dean and how has it changed your perspective on being a law student or the profession or uh, working in law? Really interesting. And I can't quite remember the last time I was here, um, but on reflection, I was thinking perhaps one of the things that as Dean, I had the great privilege and fun of being able to do, and I'm returning to do it in March, is judging the dance-off, right? At the at law, law camp. Law camp. <laughs> that was a highlight. Like sometimes there's things in any role that catch you by surprise. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that was really fabulous. Just seeing all that energy and enthusiasm and just the sheer friendliness, I think, of students was wonderful for me. So that would be a highlight, I think, in the last 12 months and what I'm looking forward to in a few weeks. And just on that, one of the things that anecdotally over the last year since being Dean that I've also been really thrilled about is that our student body has a reputation for being friendly, for being inclusive, for being down to earth. And I think all those attributes are things that are just so wonderful. So in terms of being Dean, the challenges have probably been transitioning in a way from what you might call a usual academic role. Yep. I mean, I quite miss teaching, I quite miss seminars, I quite miss yep. torts. Um, and my research is not quite where it was at, but at the same time then I'm in this wonderful position which goes across so much, you know, dealing with students, dealing with colleagues, de dealing with law firms, industry partners, just a whole variety of different sort of outlooks and also, of course, with the Central University. So it's been challenging um, but a wonderful opportunity and I'm really proud. I mean, right, we are a large influential law school. We have yeah. great graduates, wonderful colleagues, professional staff, academic staff and it's, yeah, it's a real privilege and an honour. So, yeah. Exciting. Great. Um, and I think also it's sort of following up from Emma's question a little bit. I know you said you don't really remember that well the last time you were on here, but you did speak quite a bit and quite passionately about uh, your plans for advancing Indigenous um, agendas in the law faculty. And it's been about a year since we've talked to you. So I wonder um, what's happened in the last year in terms of that and then maybe what you have planned for in the future as oh, well. Oh, yeah, thank you. That's of a course. great question. So in terms of our academic staff, we have increased by around 400, 500%. So we now have Marcel Burns, who's the Associate Dean Indigenous Leadership and Engagement. So she started with us just before Christmas. Um, we have Nicole Watson, who's an Associate Professor who came to us from USW. Um, we have Chris Wilson, who's returned to us. He's a technology law academic. Um, and he left um, sort of the beginning of COVID, but he's come back to us. Um, and we, of course, have Matt Walsh, who's a continuing academic member of staff. We also have employed Brett Sentance. He's a PhD student and um, he teaches. So in that academic space, it's amazing. We've met, um, we have, and this sounds awful, but we do have targets, of course, around what it is we should be doing. We've met and exceeded them. And they are wonderful, wonderful people. So we want to be a faculty that's Indigenous-led, and we've now got some great people, great people in those positions who we have more confidence in that will lead us in that. So very happy. Professional staff have got a long way to go. All over the university, um, there's uh, a gaps around our professional staff. So if there's anyone out there who wants <laughs> a professional staff position, uh, please email me. Um, the other area I think um, that we have done very well at is really trying to think around our research and how it is we're going to position ourselves, and that's something we'll be looking at this year. Um, the other thing I think that we need to perhaps explore a little bit more is where we might have spaces for our Indigenous law students. Our Indigenous law student numbers, HDR, like a higher degree research PhD students, great numbers. We like to think perhaps the most Indigenous PhD students of any institution undergraduate we still need to build and we're looking at how we can create pipelines for Indigenous students and help them. So I feel like, what is it, I feel like um, a little sort of, or maybe it's a big step forward, but everything else needs to be, you know, continued 
continue pushing because mm. it's just so important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like the momentum's really picking up and yeah. it will continue to do so, which yeah. is great news. Yeah. So That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of pivoting, talking about ChatGPT, I think more generally, are there any recent legal news or topics that have inspired the way you work or that you're interested in or you think are going to impact law students? Um, Mm, that's a that's a really good question. I think that we're seeing in some ways that global sort of um, uh, framing of the legal profession, and it's something that perhaps has always been present, but there is a globalisation and a transferability of legal skills that I think we underestimate. Now, what do I mean by that? I think... Sometimes because we are in a federal country like Australia and you study and you become admitted in New South Wales as a legal professional, you think about your futures as being in New South Wales or Australia or perhaps you might go to the UK and practice a little or whatever it might be. Now, one of the most interesting things about this role is that I've met alumni, for example, in Japan. Now, they're working in Japan. They don't and can't work in Japan as admitted lawyers but they're wanted and sought after in Japan because they have a comparative legal framework, because they can provide input that is of a common law sort of oversight. So that would be one example. There's many more I can pull from. So for me, I think that that globalisation and how it is we, I guess, encourage our students to see themselves both as global citizens and having global opportunities is a really important part of, I think, where we can take the faculty. And that's not to leave behind anything else we do. It's not to leave behind the fact that we are a technology-focused faculty, that we are concerned with creativity and innovation, you know, in the law school that sits in the University of Technology, that we're concerned with social justice, that we're concerned with having impact. Leaving none of that behind, but just making sure that those opportunities are apparent to yeah. law students, mm. I think is so important. Yeah. I just interviewed, for example, an alumni um, who's working in New York. Wow. So he's doing, you know, work with the Kardashians. And, and, he, and he said when he started here at UTS, that wasn't something that he had thought of. But then there he is. And he now is a conduit and a, a point of contact for other people who want to follow down that road and perhaps do a, some further study in New York that means that you can be um, a practising member mm. of the, um, the New York sort of legal world. So I think that would be something that I would be interested in exploring and making sure that everybody knows that incredible... I mean, it's an incredible value that we have with law degrees. We're really so privileged. And to be able to actually take that privilege globally and do something with it that's sort of creative, I think, is really important. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, like, it really hits home as well because I know a lot of people, and even myself, um, I've thought about, you know, oh, this law degree I'm going into, it's kind of a one-track degree. You know, maybe I should add a double degree just so I have a bit more broadness or something like that. Um, and then I speak to people who are older and they say, you know, law provides so many great pathways to get into other, you know, international spaces and also different industries even, um, like the crossover between um, lawyers, people with law degrees and the consulting industry right. and like the big four consulting firms who are now hiring more lawyers than ever before. Well, not lawyers, but people with law degrees than ever before. So I think if there was, yeah, something that that provides is like a good reassurance to especially first year students who yep. are yep. who are thinking oh I now have to do this degree and go do my PLP and then you know practice in New South Wales forever mm. um, but it really opens up sort mm. of the opportunities mm. yeah mm. Which is great. and just while we're on that just for a, a, what is it an advertising break you can do your practical legal training PLT here at UTS mm. and receive a reduction. Did you um, hear that, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, but that's—I think that's—that's that's exactly right. The the idea that you enter a law degree and you travel along and become an admitted practitioner is not necessarily going to be the case for a large proportion of people studying law. It's. It's your analytical skills. It's your ability to really weigh and evaluate two sides of an issue. It's all that work that you put into reading and analysing cases, writing well. There's so many skills, I think, that you have as a, a, an admitted or, or a graduate of law that are so sought after. Yeah. Yep. Great. Um, I think we're going to change up the conversation a little bit. 
And we wanted to ask you if you were aware of, I would say, the infamous uh, <laughs> UTS Facebook confessions page. <laughs> no. Oh. Well. <laughs> this well. is a, an audio medium, but if we can say there was a wink that just yeah. happened. <laughs> well, basically, I mean, I think most people are aware, you know, anyone can sort of put up a confession. They can write literally anything they want. Um, they don't even have to be a UTS student or staff. But we're wondering, we have uh, had some selected for us, and we're wondering if you would like to react to a few of them with us. Sure, I'll um, try. I'm a, bit <laughs> I'm a bit frightened audience, but, yeah, let's go. And we'll sort of get, get the opinions on them. Would you like to read the first one? Sure. Just, just choose one. We've kind of got a random draw. Okay, so. so here's one. Quite on the nose, I'd say, with law students. I don't know how to cite AGLC4. Someone help me. I'm desperate. Do you have any tips, advice, reactions to that? All right. So <laughs> if you've listened to my first podcast, you will know that I am no fan of AGLC 1, 2, 3 or 4 and probably not of 5 either. <laughs> um, I think that the most important thing with um, referencing is good referencing not necessarily accurate citation. Now, they are different things. So if you are looking for an overall sort of like answer to that question, you can probably look up in most places a one-page guide for the AGLC4, and that means you can look up generally your books, your journals, your cases, your statutes. If you know how to cite those four things, I think that's probably most of your bases covered. Um, and then after that, when we start to sort of get into the nuances of AGLC4, and I would suggest their whitewashing as well of, of law. There's no Indigenous citation in the AGLC4, for example. Actually, don't get me started. Don't get me started on criticising <laughs> the AGLC4. Just, I think, lift yourself up and really think about the fact that the most important thing in your writing is the ideas you're presenting. How have you based them off other people's ideas? Um, where is it that you've extended them? Where is it that you're taking issue with other people? If you can use your footnotes to display that, you are well on your way to an HD. So don't let those footnotes, don't let the AGLC4 make a slave of you, um, so to speak. Uh, it is your tool. It is not the master of you. If you can start to think about it like that, it's a liberation. Mm. Yeah, be liberated. Don't be... In don't be entrapped. I think I need that on a T-shirt. Don't let the AGLC4 be a slave of you. We should start making them. Merchandise. Quote. I love it. Oh, great. I love it. And on the back it can be do PLT. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And I think the next one really actually bounces off what you just said because you said, well, on your way to a HD. And our next confession is, quote, Mark's got released and I got an 84 out of 100 for one of my subjects. What's the best way to get that extra mark so I can get a HD? And I've been in that boat as well, where I've been one off. Mm. I mean, apart from maybe making sure your references are all mm. up to scratch, what is that? What really pushes you over the line? Ah, oh, that's a good question. That's so cruel, isn't it? It is. Really cruel. I mean, to be on any four, 74, 84, 64, 49, <laughs> to be on any of those is such a such a devastating thing because you are so close um so in some ways the answer to that i mean that's almost can't answer that because it might be it might be the half a paragraph that was a little bit off point in an essay or it could be the class that was missed in relation to class participation um it could be it could be the fact that you know, your assertions in an essay weren't substantiated by using referencing. It's almost impossible. All I can say is that's very cruel and my heart hurts for you. Mm. Yeah. Okay, here's one a bit more specific to you. Uh, someone said, I think my biggest fear for the graduation ceremony is the dean butchering my name whilst my parents are watching. <laughs> How do you feel about that? And do you struggle with these ceremonies when you have to stand up there, say all those names, shake all those hands? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so my surname, as you might know, is S-T-U-H-N-C-K-E, and it's brought nothing but problems into my entire life. Um, the problem with my name is it has four consonants together, H-N-C-K. So I'm pretty sure mine was butchered at my graduation. Mm. Um, so firstly, I'd apologise if your name is butchered. However, can I just can I just let you know, and I think you'll find reassurance in this, 
One positive thing that came out of COVID is that we now have a professional reader for ah. the graduation ceremonies. So it's no longer the deans that do the reading. So last year we had catch-up ceremonies. We might have had six or seven. And each one of those, my job is to stand on stage, smile, doff my cap and watch watch the graduate walking over the stage to shake the hand of the chancellor. Um, I have learnt not to smile directly at the person standing there. I was making eye contact trying to reassure them, but I think I was just creeping a lot of people <laughs> out. So I've now, I've now augmented or changed that style. So um, the other thing I find just personally for graduation ceremonies is that I often weep. I find them so moving. Mm. I know, like... I just look. I just look at people who are graduating yeah. and their families, and I just think how much work, dedication, time, effort, sacrifice has gone into this. Yeah. And then inevitably they'll have someone giving a lovely talk, um, and so I find it difficult sitting there, sort of like you know, you don't know how to wipe your tears off. Yeah, uh, I find that hard. Um, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question. No, but, it is. Yeah. Graduation is not too far away. Great. Hopefully, yeah. one day. Well, I'll, no. be there. I'll be there doffing my cap, but not smiling too <laughs> not much. Not smiling. No, and yeah, I, I guess not too much anyway. You really. can't take up any complaints um, with yourself anymore, right? you got to go, if you get mispronounced, you got to go to the professional reader. To the reader, yeah. everyone. Um, well, the next one is a complete 360. Um, <laughs> and it's a complaint about the design of Building 2. So this person wrote, I want a formal investigation into the escalators in building two, I refuse to believe they are designed correctly. Every single time I go down from the library, I take a wrong turn and end up facing the up escalator, then awkwardly have to turn and walk back around to the other escalator. How does this happen every time? WTF, surely a design flaw. Have you found yourself caught by I, I find that happening everywhere. It happens to me in Myers, David Jones, going to the train station. I think I just think there's something wrong with escalators in general. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think also that matches the um, escalator outside. What's the building on the goods line? The one escalator that's always broken out there as well. The design building. The design building. The escalator's never working there. Yeah. Maybe it's just an escalator thing. Maybe it's an escalator pandemic worldwide. There's something wrong. There's an epidemic. (laughs) Maybe Maybe they need to be thought through. I mean, they're not particularly accessible either, are they? No. To get up and down. So maybe, yeah, this is the time for an escalator revolution. You've heard it here first, everyone. Yeah. Escalator revolution. Yeah, that's it. Well, then, I think we're, we're all good with the confessions for now, but we did want to ask you if you had any sort of confession or something like that from your time at law school. Yeah. Look, I had to think about this and I had to be selective, right, because there are some things I think that should never be shared <laughs> after, after one's been through law school. So I went with what I think was quite embarrassing for me um, because I didn't find out that this was how this was pronounced probably until maybe my second year of teaching and I was teaching the subject that was then called legal process and history so I did teach English legal history and that was uh, you probably know this and I wrote it down so I wouldn't remember so there was a very famous common law lawyer born in 1552 and died in 1634 he was a lawyer and a judge um, particularly known, as I said, for common law. And his name, of course, is spelt C-O-K-E. Oh. So I, for many, many, many years, too many years, called him Sir Edward Coke. And, of course, found out, much to my embarrassment, after perhaps teaching for a year <laughs> and a half, that his name is Cook, because that's how it was pronounced um, in the uh, ye old English days. So that was a point of, I think, embarrassment. How did you come to that realisation? Were you corrected by a student? <laughs> yes, corrected Sorry. by a student. Corrected <laughs> by a student. Yeah. And look, and once I start an embarrassing stories, I'll just keep going. So yeah. Yeah, I think, let's just proffer the one. I think that's even worse as well because you would have said that name consistently, right? And yes. no one ever corrected you. No. But they probably, some people probably realised, right? Yeah, they I know. They just like, oh, no. And what's with anything. that? What's, it's like having that green piece of lettuce in your tooth, isn't it? And no one actually points it out until you get to the mirror and you go, why didn't someone tell me? Yeah. yeah, so I feel I feel quite confident now that I know that it's yep. cook, not coke, so that's good. I guess it also you're always going to be careful about, you know, any other sort of 
last names or that are a little bit mm, maybe this is pronounced something else you always double check it now right well. i do yeah. i do that's right kept on your toes exactly kept on my toes well great i think we basically wrapped up yeah um, right. thank you so much thanks for, being for coming on the yeah thank first, you both you're guest. wonderful hosts oh thank you so <laughs> i am sure it will be a very very successful series so it was wonderful thank you for making me feel so comfortable um and so at home and also for all the work you put into it it's great thank you so much thank you yeah great all right, so I think that finishes off the podcast for today. Thank you very much to listening to the first episode of the Bar Podcast Season 4. Yeah, first of many. And I think we're just going to go continue the momentum and try and uh, have great guests with your suggestions, which will be available on social media for you to put through. Um, thanks, Emma. Thanks, Yasha. We'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. Bye.